0: This morning as the offering plates are going around, are there any children in the house? Any children? Look at Ryan, are you ready? Are Kaylin, are you ready to go? You are ready. You are excited. Look. First one to the back from the front to the back. Away he goes. Children, why don't you make your way into the center aisle? Down to the back. Mr. John and Miss Barbara are there to take you downstairs as you keep on your series and your study of uh, disciple. I think it's part four today, and they are going to have a great time. And uh, thank you to all the children's church workers that invest time in serving, loving, and caring for our children. We are—I just love that we have a church that is so excited about reaching the, the the next generation, not just youth but children, and investing in them that they can learn the Bible, that they can learn the Word of God, and be and grow up in that knowledge. And we believe as a church. And as scripture says, you know, we, we teach that to them now so that when they're older, they won't walk away. They'll come back and they'll remember what they've learned. And we're so excited about that. This morning, we're going to conclude our series called Disciple. To be a real follower of Jesus. We've been talking about this for the last two weeks. We've, or three weeks, sorry. Wow, time's flown by. We've been wrestling through this for the last three weeks. What it really looks like for us here and now, in the 21st century, in 2015, to really understand what it means to be a disciple, a real follower of Jesus. What does it look like? I mean, I've said this every week, and I'm, I am I, I still am, am wrestling through. It must have been a little easier for the early church and for the apostles to understand what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. Because they walked with Him. They talked with Him. They were able to walk as close as they could to understand who He is and understand all about Him and the way that He loves people and the way that He speaks. And they could understand that because they were with Him. And then as the church has grown, and we've moved beyond the early church into the church today, how do we be real disciples? We only have the, the Scriptures to help us understand. We have the Holy Spirit to speak to us. And we are still trying as best we can to be disciples, real followers of Jesus. So we've been wrestling through what it means for us to be that type of student, to learn from the teacher or the master who is Jesus, and to be those real disciples. We built this series when I was wrestling through it on this key scripture from Acts chapter 2, the early church. Remember Acts chapter 2? Peter's preached this incredible message after being filled with the Holy Spirit and there's 3,000 people added to the church and then it says in Acts 2.42 they, the 3,000, devoted themselves, the church devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and to prayer. That These were key markers of the early church growth and the disciples, real followers of Jesus within the church the early church that they devoted themselves to the apostles teach- teachings that they were committed which would be now to the word of god that they were devoted to the fellowship which would be now to doing life together to connecting with one another they devoted themselves to breaking of bread and we talked about last week that they lived the life of jesus we saw that jesus broke bread with the upper in the upper room and he served people it was being like jesus and then this week they we're going to talk about this they devoted themselves to prayer So we've wrestled through three of these weeks, what it means to be a disciple, to walk in discipleship, that we have to work at it, what it means to be in fellowship, true fellowship, doing life together, that as we do life together, we can enrich each other. We can have conversations with each other to not just uh, enjoy moments, but we have encouragement and we have accountability and we break bread or we serve. And we serve, and we serve. And last week we said we serve any way. No matter what it is, we serve. No matter if we feel like it or not, we serve. And we serve anywhere and any way we can. And this week we're going to talk about prayer. One of those topics and one of those contexts within the church and within our personal lives that I think gets lost in the busyness. It's one of those moments where We've used, uh, and and please forgive me when I say this, if, if this offends anyone, but we've used the term, I'm going to pray at all times. Always. I just always pray as an excuse to avoid prayer sometimes. I've been guilty of it myself. Well, when do you pray? Oh, I pray all the time. And if I'm honest, I don't pray all the time because I'm so busy. But sometimes I use that as my justification or my means of making it sound like I do. I struggle with it too. Prayer in the midst of busyness can be very challenging, but we read very clearly in this particular passage of Scripture that they were devoted to prayer. Prayer that they were committed to prayer, that this wasn't something that was just passive in their life, but this was something that happened all the time. So we're going to talk about prayer. And it's, it's interesting because prayer seems to have this way of stretching beyond the church. I mean, I think everyone in our culture at some point in their life or in a, in a crisis or in a moment understands what prayer is or thinks they do. They know that they want to pray for some one or a circumstance that something will make their life better I have family members that that aren't serving Christ that don't attend church but in crisis will seek prayer whether that's prayer to God or something else I I can't answer that because I don't know but they'll seek prayer because they're hoping that it helps with the circumstance it's interesting how that works isn't it Prayer is so important. But not just prayer to, some, for, to get out of something or to ease something, but prayer is this communication with God. This means of talking with the Father. So I grew up in an Anglican church, and I was 16 when I got saved, and my brother got saved just after me. And uh, and I started praying, and one night I remember very clearly, I was sitting in my room, and, and my brother comes and barrels I said, yes. He says, how do I pray? Which is a great moment for a brother. I'm just new to faith, and, and in this new life with Jesus, is awesome. I'm excited, so I start thinking really deep. How do I pray, Jamie? I'm like, okay, let me. and i'm sitting there kind of puzzled for a minute i'm thinking how can i give him the best answer possible you know like one of the greatest phrases that he's going to remember for the rest of his life this deep theological biblical answer i'm just i'm really wrestling with it and i'm sitting there for a moment and it's just before bed and i'm wrestling through i'm thinking oh and i wanted to say something so powerful and here's what i said to him ready Prayer, it's, it's, it's simple. This is what I said. It's simple. It's simply talking to God. That's how deep I could get. How do I pray? What is prayer? I said, prayer is this. It's 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 just talking to God. And he kind of looked at me. I said, yeah, it's just talking to God. I want to kind of begin to break a few, uh, in just in a moment, break a few thoughts. I think that sometimes in the church, we think that prayer has to be something special in terms of how i say it how i phrase it how i go about it and i would say this a lot of times prayer is simply talking to god it is very important but it's just simply talking to god there's no like proper script per se uh, with proper pronunciations or pauses or professionalisms it's just talking to god it's this communication with God. In fact, when the disciples asked Jesus how to pray, he gave them this very simple means to talk, right? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. You know the prayer? And it just became this means of communication. Prayer is talking to God. It's not writing a script. If you need to write down to talk, that's fine, but prayer is simply this. It's simply talking to God. And I want to wrestle through this a little bit, because as we begin to read in in the gospel of Matthew, we begin to see this picture as Jesus is teaching the disciples to pray. He says this, guys, it's not about this. It's not about more words. It's not about more words because more words doesn't mean better prayers. Sometimes we think that if we say a whole lot and spout out a whole bunch, then it makes better prayers, but it's not always that way. Sometimes the most powerful prayers are three words said by a child. Not more words, although we can have this misconception, more words doesn't mean better prayers. Jesus said, when you pray, don't keep on babbling like the pagans. Don't keep on babbling like pagans. For they think they will be heard because of their many words not always about more words means better prayers, more professionalism means better prayers, more uh, you know, the, the just so you know, we don't take a how to pray course in Bible college. It doesn't, there's no professionalizing this. Instead, Jesus would challenge us and say prayer is more an intimate conversation with God between two people, you and and the Father. It's this intimate conversation that we had. Matthew chapter 6 says, but when you pray, when you pray, now after this he talks about babbling, but he says, when you pray, go in your room, close the door, and pray to your Father. Go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father. It's this moment where you have this conversation and you simply talk with God, our Father. Who is unseen. When then your Father who sees what what is done in secret will reward you. It's this conversation. It's simply talking to God. And then he continues in this passage to teach them the Lord's Prayer. And challenges. them. Prayer is not this, um, this art that we, that we master or perfect. It's this conversation that we have with God. And we need to sometimes break the excuse that says, I can't pray because I don't know how to do it. Well, if you know how to have a conversation with someone, then you can pray because it's simply talking to God. And it's not about making more words to be better. It's just simply about having that conversation with God the Father. I like to say it's two ways. It's talking and listening. Not just talk, 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 and never listen. Which I'm challenged by often. But here's the beginning point. It's simply a conversation. Prayer is simply a conversation. It's an intimate conversation with God. And you're talking with Him. And you're sharing with Him. You're thanking Him. You're celebrating who He is and you're having this conversation, and you're listening to his response. So, what does devoted to prayer look like? Because we talk about the it being a marker of the real follower of Jesus. We look at it, Acts chapter 2. What does devoted to prayer look like? I'd like to suggest two things this morning. Prayer becomes often and regular. Devoted to prayer means that prayer becomes often, and it becomes regular. That it's often, we do it often in our life. It's regular, it's a not a routine, but it's a regular piece of our life, that we do it often, and we do it regular, be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer, faithful in prayer, joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer, often it's regular, be devoted, devote yourselves to prayer. Being watchful and thankful meaning that you're alert, that you're ready, that you're continually doing this. This becomes an often thing that you do, a regular thing that you do, not just what you say, but what you actually do. How do I become devoted to prayer? It becomes often and regular, and prayer becomes ultimately a lifestyle. It becomes a lifestyle that you actually are praying, as Paul writes, on all occasions. Pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. Pray in the Spirit on all occasions. It becomes this lifestyle that, that when you talk with somebody, and this would be a challenge for the church, this would be a challenge for you as an individual, when you talk to someone and they say to you, you know, how are you doing? Oh, I'm doing okay. Well, what's going on? Well, I've got a doctor's appointment this week and I'm really a little bit nervous about it. And instead of going, oh, okay, I'll pray for you, actually stopping and saying, no, let's pray right now. Think about how this would change our conversations. Think about how this would change our lifestyle if we were walking, thinking, okay, here's this moment I have, I can pray. Instead of saying, oh, I'll pray about it, I'll pray with you now about it. You stop and you say, oh, you know, I just my my legs are killing me, I worked so hard yesterday, my knees, and you say, oh, well, let's pray about that right now. Are we too busy? What if, what if, this is free, this isn't part of what I want to talk about but. But what if we did that and it became a lifestyle that we pray in the spirit on all occasions for all, all with all kinds of prayers and requests when we're walking with somebody instead of just delaying and saying oh I'll pray about it because if you're like me sometimes oh I'll pray about it becomes oh I totally forgot and I need to pray about it and he said I'm going to pray about it right now it would change the conversation it would change the context in which we live our lives try it it it, it It'd be a challenge for you, but I I challenge you. Just try it. So, enough about this piece. Let's move on to the devoted to prayer part, because I kind of stepped off my notes there for a minute. Devoted to prayer. There's two facets that we can talk about. We can talk about the individual life thing devoted to prayer, which we talked a little bit about on this little tangent I went on. But what I want to do this morning is I want to talk about this, because I want to explore it for just a minute. The early church in Acts chapter 2 devoted themselves to prayer. Now, individually they were devoted to prayer, but also as a church, they found themselves devoted to prayer. And I want to focus on that for a minute because I can see four specific examples in the early church about being devoted to prayer. So there are examples in the book of Acts that show us the church's devotion to prayer. Because sometimes the church has misplaced this. Because it gets so busy in the midst of doing ministry that it may lose its focus. And we want to redirect our thoughts just for a minute. As we see in the early church, and there are four examples that I want to give you this morning about this piece, devotion as a church. So now we're going to move from the individual devotion to prayer, which it needs to become a lifestyle often and regular. And I want to move to the church, which it still needs to become a lifestyle of the church. It still needs to become regular and often as the church. But I want to see four examples of the church being devoted to prayer in the early church and how maybe if we grab hold of this, how it could change the context in which we have within our family. So let's look at this four examples. The first one is this. We see the church praying for the power of the Holy Spirit. The church that was devoted to prayer, we see them before the 3,000 when it's just 120 devoted to prayer and praying for the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, let's get us to this point to understand it. Luke writes this in his gospel about Jesus. Jesus says these words, I am going to send what my Father has promised. I'm going to send what my Father has promised. But stay in the city until you have been clothed with power On high, so Jesus is saying, My father has promised that the Comforter will come when I leave, the Holy Spirit will come. And when the Holy Spirit comes, it's this power from on high, which we learn about in Acts chapter 1 is this power to be his witnesses to Jerusalem and to Judea, the Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So, this power from on high, so stay in the city and wait. Because my father, who's promised this, is going to send it. So stay in the city. When I go, stay in the city and wait for this until you've been clothed with power from on high. And we catch the early church in Acts chapter 1 praying, devoting themselves to prayer for the power of the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 1 says, they being the 120, so the apostles and the others that were with them, all joined together constantly in prayer. Remember, Jesus has just left them, and He's given the command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father promised, which you've heard me speak about, which is back to Luke, for John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. It is not for you know the time or dates He's talking about, but He says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all of Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So they're constantly joined in prayer. They join together constantly in prayer. They're devoted to praying. They've committed themselves to praying and seeking God as they're waiting and they're praying, Lord, send this power. Send the Holy Spirit. It says, along with the women and Mary and mother, Mary the mother of Jesus and with his brothers. So there's all these people gathered in the other room. They're constantly uh, together, constantly praying, waiting for the command that Jesus said, the promise that the Father has said that I'm going to send the Holy Spirit, the power. And they're praying, and they're praying, and they're praying, and they're praying. And they've devoted themselves to praying for this power. Acts chapter 2 comes around. When the day of Pentecost came, They were all together in one place. Some translations say they were together in one accord. And I believe that they were together in one place, in one accord, just like we read about in Acts chapter 1, together, constantly in prayer. They're praying for this Holy Spirit power. And it says, suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. They were filled with the power, the promise that Jesus spoke about, and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Here we see the early church devoted to prayer, and they're praying for the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus has promised that this would, the Father's promise, Jesus has reminded them that when He leaves, those powers coming. And they devoted themselves to prayer for power. Why? To be His witnesses. Imagine if the church today devoted themselves as a family to pray for the power of the Holy Spirit. Why? So that we could have this really interesting moment like they had in the early church, like they had in in the day of Pentecost. Well, maybe that'd be exciting, but ultimately, for us to be his witnesses, to be empowered, to be his witnesses to our community, to show the community his love, and to preach the gospel of Jesus with authority and conviction through the Holy Spirit, praying for the power of the Holy Spirit. Imagine if the church today devoted themselves to the power to praying for the power of the Holy Spirit, and we began to read about churches and churches. And Churches being filled with the Holy Spirit and then going into their community as witnesses, which is what Jesus says when you receive the Holy Spirit to be His witnesses. How much that would change. How much that would change. See, the early church was devoted to praying for the power of the Holy Spirit. Not only were they devoted to praying for the power of the Holy Spirit, we see that in the second example that they were praying for the boldness. That they were devoted to prayer for boldness. If we flip over a couple chapters to Acts chapter 4 we begin to see this as Peter and John have just healed uh, this lame man of this this who's been lame since as long as you can remember. They healed him and they've been brought before the council because of what's happened and they're being tried and they're being challenged. They're being pushed and they're being uh, they're being uh, a question because of the power of the Holy Spirit that moved through them to heal this lame man, and they're being pushed on, they're being challenged on, and in the middle of the meeting, Peter, empowered by the Holy Spirit, yet again preaches, and the council is not happy, they're not happy with them, but at the end of the day, they say, okay, you guys can go, but you have this command from us, do not speak about this name, Jesus, ever again ever again. Don't say another word about this guy, Jesus. And here they are being threatened by the council. Here they are facing persecution. And as we read in Acts chapter 4, they go back to the people and they don't pray that all of this would stop. But they go back to the people and they pray to God for Boldness. Look what it says in Acts chapter 4, verse 24. When they heard this, this meaning the people, when James and uh, Peter and John, sorry, came back and they talked with the, the rest of the followers, when they heard this, that's them, the followers heard this, They raised their voices together in prayer to God. Here's this moment where they didn't stop and say, okay, well, let's pray about this later. They decided in that very moment that they were going to raise their voices together in prayer to God. And here's what they prayed. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. They're declaring who, who God is. That he is in control of everything that he is the one who created all, that he is the one who's in control of all, and they're they're committing themselves to it, they're, they're, they're acknowledging who he is, who God is, and they're declaring it, and they're saying, you are in control of all circumstances, and in all situations. And instead of being like I think a lot of people would, their prayer doesn't go to this point of, please take away all of this persecution. Please lighten our load. Please bring d- this divine intervention to stop what's happening to us. No, they pray this. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servant to speak, servants to speak your word with what great boldness. Here's the church devoted to prayer. They recognize who God is. And they don't say Lord, you are in control of everything. Would you stop this persecution? Would you get those people that are trying to pick on us? Would you step in? They say, instead of saying that, they go, no. Lord, you hear these threats. You know what we face. Would you enable us to speak your word with great boldness? Yeah. Imagine if the church, imagine if the church today devoted themselves to prayer for the boldness to proclaim the gospel of Jesus. Not to stop the persecution, but to proclaim the gospel of Jesus with boldness. Lord, don't don't worry about taking away that. Why don't you give me more boldness, more strength? Servants to be bold to speak your word. Listen to what happened in Acts chapter 4. Stretching out uh, your hands to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your Holy Spirit, just continuing the prayer, they say this, after they prayed, after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. This is believed to uh, give an indication as some commentaries would say that that God was responding to their fervent prayer for boldness, that this was an acknowledgement in some ways, some say this, but it says this, And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. That they didn't pray for persecution to stop. They didn't pray for their enemies to be crushed. They didn't pray for all of this to go away. They prayed, no, we embrace it. You hear the threats. Give us boldness to keep speaking your word. And when they did, they were filled again with the Holy Spirit, refilled, re-energized, and they spoke the word of God boldly into their community where they were. Where we see the devotion to prayer, not about getting out of something, but getting strength to persevere through and to have the boldness to preach the word of God. What if the church today really got devoted to praying for boldness in the midst of what we face day in and day out? How would that So here we see an example that the early church, their devotion to prayer was praying for the power of the Holy Spirit. Their devotion to prayer was praying for the boldness to proclaim the word of God. The third example we see is that they're praying for workers and not only just praying for workers, but they're empowering them. If we flip over a couple more chapters into chapter six, we begin to see this moment occur where the church is getting big and stuff is happening where they need to uh, delegate specific Leaders to care for uh, specific tasks within the church. And they begin to find uh, seven other leaders that can take charge of the happens in the church so the apostles can go and can continue to preach the gospel and can continue to preach the word. And it says this in Acts chapter 6, that this proposal, the proposal to bring in this next level of leadership was uh, pleased the whole group. Everyone was excited about this idea that the apostles could do what they're called to do and this next level of leadership can help care for the house of the church. And they chose Stephen, a man full of faith in the Holy Spirit. We've talked a lot about Stephen in the past. We've also Philip, uh, Prochorus, uh, Nick, oh man, these are hard words, Nicanor, Timon, uh, Parmenius. See, if anybody else can't pronounce them, neither can I. Um, and Nicholas from Antioch, a convert to Judaism. That they picked these these, these men to represent and to lead within the church. And it says that they, they called them out and they lifted up these leaders and when they did, they presented the men to the apostles as they chose them. And the apostles then prayed and laid their hands on them. Now when they prayed and laid their hands on them, this was a, uh, a symbol in, in ancient Jewish custom that they were uh, setting someone apart for special service. So they called these seven men and they brought them in and it says the apostles then laid their hands on them and they began to pray for them. They were setting them apart to lead within the church. That they were setting them apart for something special which was to be these leaders within the church. They were praying for workers as they began to select the men who were going to take charge. Then they didn't just pray for them. They prayed over them. They empowered them to lead within the church. So the early church didn't just pray that there would be workers showing up. They prayed and they also empowered. The apostles were commissioning these men for the work of ministry that they were going to do. Now what if the church today, what if the church today began to pray devoted to prayer For workers, but not just for the workers, but for the empowerment to do the ministry that God was calling them to. Look what happens in the early church. So the word of God spread. Why did it spread? Well, partly because the apostles were able to go and preach. But as we continue on reading, we begin to see that it it spread because of the act of Stephen and the faith of Philip, these men who were empowered to do ministry, says the number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly, and a large number of and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith as they prayed for workers and empowered them. The early church devotion to prayer; they were praying for the power of the Holy Spirit. They were praying for boldness. They were Praying for workers and empowering them to do the ministry. And then the last one, the church, was praying for church leaders. Praying for church leaders. Now here's, this would be a little bit different than the last one. The workers would be people doing the work within the ministry. I'd say the leaders, these are the people who God has put in, in, in leadership within the church. The early church, it was more specifically the apostles in the church today it would be for this church context it would be the pastors and the elders and that the church came together and prayed for them they were devoted to praying for them Acts chapter 12 a few other chapters later Peter has found himself in, pri- in prison the king Herod Agrippa I believe is who it was um, found that persecuting these apostles really got people excited, so he had arrested Peter, he'd already, uh, he already had James put to death, and he arrested Peter, and was going to put him to death after the feast, and Peter's imprisoned in, he's, he's, he's chained in prison, and this is not the first time Peter's been in prison, and the last time I think Peter was in prison, he escaped. So this is like, we're really going to put him in prison. And they put him chained to two other guards. And then there were guards, more than likely, on every exit, every point within the cell. And they were rotated every four hours so that they never were alone or or sleepy or drowsy or anything that he could get out. They were constantly watching him. And it says, as Peter's in prison, and he's been arrested, and he's going before the public to be more than likely killed. So so Peter was kept in prison but the church was earnestly praying to God for him. The church. So this wouldn't be um, more than likely wouldn't be the apostles or the leaders calling this prayer meeting. This is the church. 120 that's devoted to prayer the 3,000 that's devoted to prayer, the hundreds more that have been out of the church that's devoted to prayer, that they are earnestly praying to God for their leaders God would you set Peter free God would you use his life to completely to continually transform more hearts and more lives and they've Earnestly made this commitment to pray. They found themselves in a room, some would suggest in Mary's house. Some would also suggest that it could have been the same place where they were gathered in the upper room when they were praying in Acts chapter 2. But they were earnestly praying for Peter while he's in prison. They're earnestly seeking God for him. And as Peter's in prison, he's asleep, which tells you that he's completely. Uh, covered with the peace of God because he knows what he's facing yet he's still sleeping even though he's chained to two other men who are Roman soldiers and I don't think I could sleep if there were guards standing beside me that I was chained to that wanted me dead. I'm just saying. And he's sleeping. He says he's awakened as the angel comes and nothing happens. The angel doesn't touch the shackles. Peter doesn't touch the shackles. God's incredible power steps in, and the shackles fall off, and he gets up, and he walks out, and no one says anything to him. In fact, Peter's in this point where he believes he's in a vision, much like the vision he had in Acts chapter 10 uh, on the rooftop about Cornelius. He's having believes he's having this vision, and then it says that when he finally came to, when he Uh, When this dawned on him, when he realized that, oh my goodness, I'm not in a dream, I'm not in a vision, but God has set me free and I've escaped from prison. When he's come to this understanding, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, also called Mark. He went over to the house where the church is earnestly praying for him. And as he gets there, he says... Uh, where many people had gathered, there we go, and were praying. They were earnestly praying for him and he's gotten to this point and he begins to knock on the door and Peter knocked at the door of the outer entrance. So there's a, a, a vestibule, I think they call it, there's this outer entrance and then there's the inner door and he's pounding on the outer door and a servant named Rhoda comes to answer the door that is not spelled wrong, that is the right spelling, R-H-O-D-A and he came and answered the door She came and answered the door, and her excitement, when she recognized Peter's voice, she was overjoyed, and look what happens: She ran back without opening it, and exclaimed, Peter's at the door! Catch this, this is kind of a funny moment, eh? She... Peter's pounding, because he's just escaped prison, and they're going to be looking for him, because they can't find him, and they know, the, the guards know that their life is on the line, because if they don't find Peter, they're going to face the same punishment that Peter was going to face, because they let him go, and they're, he's pounding on the door, and she comes to the door, and she hears, he's like, she's like it's me, let me in, she recognized Peter's voice, he's like, Ah she runs back inside, doesn't open the door, and Peter's left there by himself, it's kind of funny. Peter's at the door, she runs in and tells the church. And remember, what's the church doing? Praying. Imagine the awkward moment when someone runs in and starts going, Hey, Peter's at the door! And they're praying. Anybody been in a moment where you've been praying and someone's come in the room? And they've interrupted. How about when you're praying for your food and the server comes to put the food in front of you? Anybody had that happen to them? Servers kind of feel awkward when you're praying for your food. And they walk in and they go, so I've got it. And they walk back out the door. She runs in as the church is earnestly praying for Peter. She says, Peter's at the door. Guys, Peter, he's at the door. You're out of your mind, they told her. We're praying here. You're out of your mind. We're praying, they told her. You're out of your mind. mind. When she kept insisting that it was so, they said, it must be his angel. Now, they would have been, because they were praying earnestly for God, when they said that it must be his angel, they were meaning that he's probably been executed. And this is just the way that God's speaking to us, telling us that, that he's gone. Must be his angel. But Peter, he's still outside kept on knocking, and when they opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. They were amazed. They couldn't believe it. Let's just say they went into, like, hysteria. Peter! And they're screaming, and they're all yelling at the top of their lungs, and Peter has to summon them to be quiet. He says, Peter motioned with his hands for them to be quiet and described how the Lord had brought him out of prison. Why? Because the church was earnestly praying for him. And God sent an angel to get him out of prison. Because the church was devoted to praying for their leaders and their leaders would continue to be influential in their community and to help empower them and to teach them and to equip them so that they could do the work of ministry which they were called to do. Tell James and the other brothers and sisters about this. He said, And then he left for another place. Probably left because that would be the first place they would go looking for him. But tell them, tell them, and they continued on. The church was earnestly praying for church leaders. Imagine how different, just bear with me, imagine how different the church would be if it refocused itself and became devoted. Devoted. Not just acknowledging it, but devoted to praying for the power of the Holy Spirit. Praying for boldness to proclaim the gospel. Praying for workers and empowering them to do ministry and praying for church leaders. How much different would the church be today? Not just once. Not just twice but if it actually became the culture or if it became the lifestyle of living way or the lifestyle of the church that they became devoted to prayer, to praying for the power of the Holy Spirit, for the boldness to proclaim the word, for the empowerment of workers and for the church leadership. Imagine how much different. Imagine how much different it would be. The early church, I think, really challenges us today. It shows us how we can become disciples, that we need to be growing in discipleship, studying the Word of God, that we need to be in fellowship, in true koinonia, in true relationships, doing life together with one another. We need to be serving our everywhere, anywhere, all the time. And we need to be, as a church and as individuals, developing a lifestyle of prayer that is committed to praying for needs. It's committed to praying for the power of the Holy Spirit. It's committed to praying for the boldness to proclaim the gospel. It's committed to praying for workers to empower them and to pray for the church and for its leadership. We can become real followers of Jesus. Here's how I want to close this morning. I'm going to close a little bit differently. But I want to call the church to the beginning steps of becoming devoted to prayer. I want to challenge us as a family together to make some commitments. And I want to take some time this morning and if you're visiting with us please join in. We we love for you to be feel like you're a part of our family and we want you to be a part of what we're doing here. So if you're, if, if you're visiting, if you, you're just here for the week or whatever. But here's what I want to do. I want to take time and I want to begin to pray for our church leaders as the church. I want to take time and I want to pray for our workers in ministry and to empower them. And I want to take time for us as a church to pray that God would fill us with the power of the Holy Spirit to be His witnesses. That He would fill us with boldness to proclaim the gospel to our community. Here's how I want to start. I've asked Nancy, would you come up this morning? And el- elders, pastors, would you come this morning? And we just want to take time and we want to pray. Nancy's going to pray for the leadership. And if you're comfortable and you would like to come and, uh, and lay hands on one of these uh, leaders, if you want, if you're... Hey, Nancy, I'll give you this here. To lay hands on the leadership or stretch your hands out to uh, to this leadership that God would continue to give us vision and unity that God would continue to to just stir in us and to help us to equip and prepare you as followers of Jesus. So if you're comfortable with that, if you want to come and lay your hands on the leaders, if you want to stretch your hands forward, and Nancy, I'm going to ask that you would pray.
1: that you have called to lead us. Lord, as they prayed in the first days of the church that we have just read about, I ask that you fill these men with the boldness and the power of your Holy Spirit, that you will guide and direct them and empower them as they lead our church and the people that are here, that that you would guide and direct them. You, Lord Jesus, are our cornerstone. And without you, we are nothing. And with you, we are everything. Let us step forward. Allow them to step forward. Allow them to reach into our lives, to direct them, to direct us in the way that you would have us be in this community that you would have a step out to be the people that would do anything, anytime, anywhere, that would be the people that would step and pray for those that you are speaking to in their times of dire need, that would be the people that would help close those that do not have or feed those that are in want. Lord, that we would go beyond yesterday that we would go beyond and forward as you would have these men lead us. You have chosen them out of our ranks, and Lord, we just ask that we will follow their leadership, that we will not be torn apart, that we will be brought together in love and unity, and that we will be able to step forward and to follow behind them. And with them and to uphold them and that this is not the last time that we pray for them, but that we will be the devoted followers of Christ that will be the ones that will pray for our leaders, that will guide them, that we will stand beside them and that we will be there to help be their hands and their feet in those things that you have chosen for us to do, not just in this, in this church, not just in this community, but throughout the world. And we just thank you for that. Lord, we just thank you that you have brought them together and brought us together this morning and that we have been under the leadership that we have been under to learn and to grow and to, and been invested in that we may go out as your disciples. In Jesus name we ask it. Amen.
0: Any of you that works in children's ministry, that works in uh, life groups, that's a part of uh, serving in this church in any capacity, whether it's helping out at lodge services, whether it's uh, leading in our journey classes, you guys would come and we want to pray over you and empower you for the ministry that God's called you to place you in. So if you're here and you're served, come on up here, don't be shy. Youth ministry, um, whatever capacity that ministry is, come on up. Worship Ministries, that includes Worship Ministries, uh, Life Group Leaders. Um, We can't, sorry. Um, Anybody, come on up if you serve in Tech Ministry or anything along those lines, and I've asked Pastor Andrew, we're going to lay our hands on you, and we're going to uh, continue to uh, call on God to empower you. We're going to remember our There are children's workers downstairs that are working with our children right now that we are going to, uh, that we are standing in the gap and praying for them also and empowering them. Pastor Andrew, would you lead lead us in this prayer this morning?
2: Father God, we just, uh, we praise you this morning and we worship you this morning, God, and we thank you for just who you are, God, and for the life that you have given us, God. God, I thank you for each person who is here. Um, standing before us this morning and who is even working right now um, downstairs, God, for all, um, for everyone, God, I thank you that you said that the greatest among us um, will be the greatest servant, God. And I thank you for these people who um, who have taken that up, God, and they, um, they just love you and they serve you and they serve um, the people in this church, God, and they serve the people in this community, God. And I just pray for um, your blessing, God, over them, God, that you would bless them richly, God, that their relationship with you, God, would just grow deeper and uh, and more richly and deeply, God, every um, passing day and every passing season, God, that they would know um, the riches of your love, God, that they would know your peace, God, and your joy, God, that your spirit would fill them, you empower them, God, and that they would just embrace um, your life, God, and this life, God, and that as um, they work and they serve you, God, that they would um, see fruit and they would see... Um, just the products, God, of of their efforts for you, God, and that they would see miracles happen, that they would see great things happen for you, God, that they would see your kingdom advanced, God, that they would know that what they are doing, God, is not in vain, God, but that it is um, for you, God, and that it is actually making a difference in this community, God. We thank you so much for them, God. God, I thank you that when you um, save us, that when you invite us to follow you, God, that you have things for us to do, as it says in Ephesians, God, that you... Um, created us as your workmanship, God, in you, God, and that uh, that you prepared things for us to do, God. And I just pray that we would all, um, as we seek you and grow in our relationship with you, God, that we would discover the things that you have prepared for us to do, God. And that as we do those things, God, that we would find such joy and purpose and fulfillment in those things, God. Thank you for them, God. Give them strength. Give them peace, God. Give them uh, everything that they need to just get through and to to move forward in you. Amen. Amen.
0: Don't leave just yet. The last thing I want to do in worship, if you guys want to get yourself ready, um, the church as a whole, would you all come front? Come to the front. And I'd like us all to join together and Join our hands together and yeah, come on, it's okay. In in unity, and we're going to take time and pray that God would empower us with the power of the Holy Spirit. That God would move in our midst. That God would give us boldness. Come on to the front. Don't worry, guys. Don't be scared. Nobody bites up here. And we can just and just grab a hand beside you, um, and and we're going to just pray for the power of the Holy Spirit, for the boldness to proclaim. And when we finish praying, we're going to take time and just begin to worship around this altar, just begin to worship God, begin to lift our voice in praise. And I've asked Dave if he would pray this morning.
3: Just open your heart. Open your heart to what God has for you today. Lord, as Jamie's led us through this teaching today, and we reflect, God, on the early church and the examples, Lord God, that you've given us. And Lord, the early church, Lord, they had so much at stake. Their lives were continually threatened, Lord God. They lived in hostile times. And God, the scriptures we read today, we know, God, are on the heels of the death of their loved ones, of their leader, of Jesus. And the fear, Lord, that was stricken, strickening all of them, Lord God. There was only one place, God, that they could find comfort. There was only one place, God, that they could find peace. that was together in the church. And Lord God, there was only one presence that could satisfy and cast out, Lord God, those evil, scary, fearful thoughts. And Holy Spirit, that was you. You met the early church in their most difficult times. In the history of our church, God, in some of the most difficult times, you were there. And God, you are still here. You never left your church. You promised, God, that you're always going to be with us, that you're always going to be here, God. Despite us, Lord. Father, forgive us. In your Son, Jesus' name, forgive us for the times, Lord God, that we are fearful. For the times, God, that we are lazy for the times, Lord God, that we deny you. Let it not be said of us, God, any longer. We come together, Lord, and we hold hands as the church, just as we did 2,200 years ago, Lord. We hold hands as the church of Christ and Holy Spirit. We wait in anticipation for you to come to fill us. Knowing, Lord God, that your boldness is not just to dwell in a manifestation, but it is to be bold to go forth and to tell our friends and our families and our co-workers, Lord God, and the people on the street, our neighbors, Lord God, the sick, Lord God, the weird, Lord God, all those people who are afflicted by the world, Lord God, to tell them about you and how much you love them and how much you gave for them, God. May we be filled by your power And may we be bold, Lord God, to proclaim your good love, to proclaim your good word, to proclaim your truth, Lord God. So I pray, God, that you place in each one of our hearts, people, Lord God, that one person, Lord, you want us to love, to tell about God, to invite to church, to share the word with, to help. to mentor, to encourage, Lord God. May we, Lord, walk together as unique and different as we are together as your church. May we walk together, Lord God, holding each other up, praying for each other, God. May we be bold enough to to admit when we're wrong to our brothers and our sisters. To forgive those, Lord God, who have wronged us. May we be a living example of you, Lord Jesus, in love. Your word says, Bill, know who we are, Lord, by the love we have for one another. Help us, Lord God, to choose that. In this busy, hectic life that, Lord, many of us choose, help us, God, to remember each other and to hold each other up. And we invite each other into each other's lives yes. in truth, in love, in peace. In a world that is whole, whole and full of hostility towards you, God, may we be contrary to that. Yes. Holy Spirit, we ask. Yes. Help us, yes. we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: to the town of Inglehart and surrounding areas, for your boldness to proclaim the gospel to this town and to these surrounding areas. God, would you empower us. Lord, would you fill us. God, would it be your spirit that would move amongst us. God, we commit ourselves to you. Lord, help us to be true disciples, followers of Jesus, committed to you. And Lord, committed to each other in prayer. And in life. So God would you move amongst us? Holy Spirit would you touch the children. God would you fill them with your presence. God would you use them. In powerful ways. In their school. In our students. As they reach into the lives of students within their classes. God would you use them. Father we thank you. For who you are doing in our lives. So Father, I pray now. God, I pray for this family. God, would you meet their God, would you touch their lives. God, would you fill them with your presence? Father, we pray this morning as we move from here to lunch, that you would bless the food to our bodies. Lord, that you have blessed those who have prepared these different pieces of our meal. God, we thank you for them. We thank you for the food. We thank you for this building and this place we have that we can gather together and do life together. Father, would you continue to enrich us and would you continue to empower us and speak to us? Thank you. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Amen. God bless you. Join us for lunch downstairs. Join us for journey class. If you want to stick around, sing and worship, you're more than welcome to. You can join us for lunch, God bless.